Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. I am Reverend Agent L. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you, yes, right there, you, can apply something that was written so long ago to what you're going through right now. And we want to start off by, of course, saying Happy New Year, everyone. I'm in a really good mood today because I know 2020 was a rough year for a lot of people, but 2020 was a wonderful year for us here at Beaver in the Word and us uh, at Benevolent Faith Ministries because of you. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have had uh, such a great year and wouldn't have such hope going into the new year. And so on behalf of everyone at Benevolent Faith Ministries and Deeper in the Word, we want to wish you all a very prosperous and fruitful 2021. And like I said, we know a lot of people were ready for 2020 to end because it was such a difficult year for them. But we here at Deeper in the Word and Benevolent Faith Ministries are very grateful that God has been so incredibly gracious and merciful to us over the last year. And we want to make it our goal to ensure that you out there, yes, look in the mirror, Yes, that person, you, the Church of Christ, that you enjoy the same grace from God in 2021. But in order for us all to enjoy the many promises of God, which work for our good, we all need to do our part. And that means being obedient to his word and doing the things necessary to ensure that the church experiences growth in the new year and not regression. And so today, friends, Today's episode is entitled State of the Church 2021. State of the Church 2021. And y'all know where we get this from, right? Every year, the President of the United States always gives a State of the Union address wherein he speaks to the country collectively um, to inform us what the condition or the shape of our country is like. And they start off by saying, you know, my fellow Americans, the State of the Union is good or the State of the Union is bad or whatever they say. Although I doubt I'll ever hear a president say, the State of the Union is horrible. We all terrible and trifling. Even though we are, you're not going to hear a president say that. But anyway, to that end, because it's our first episode of 2021, we wanted to do the same thing from a believer's standpoint and take the time to reflect upon the shape and condition of the church in the form of examining some of the biggest challenges that the church faces as we head into this new decade. And we want to do this again so that we can learn where the church needs to do the most work in order to most effectively see growth, to see maturity, and to better discipline ourselves, you know, amongst the saints. And really, because y'all know we everything we do is based on the Bible. There's a biblical mandate for us to do this. Just look at the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 28. You know, I'm reading from the English Standard Version because that's my version. And it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. In other words, y'all, Jesus died for the church. So it's imperative that we, the church body, his body, do everything necessary in our power to make sure that his efforts weren't in vain. Christ didn't die so the church to be trifling. Okay. So today, As we run down the list of challenges we face and which the church needs to improve upon, we also want to be mindful that these challenges also present us with an opportunity, an opportunity to show the stuff that we're made of. 
Because the reality is the church has historically thrived when it is tested rather than when it is comfortable. So we got to get out this comfort zone because right now there's really not a lot to be comfortable about. And to be honest, there are many challenges that we face as a body of Christ. But we think that we've highlighted here arguably some of the most pressing issues we need to address collectively. So here we go. Deeper in the words, first ever State of the Church 2021 address. And first up, the concept of biblical illiteracy. Okay, now y'all know what literacy is, right? That's when you can read and write and what have you. And so biblical literacy is a huge problem in the American church and it makes many of the other challenges on this list all the more difficult. Why? Because when you don't know the word of God, then everything else that follows after that is going to be based on a misunderstanding and misconception. And quite simply, people in churches and even more so those not in churches, they may pay lip service to the importance of the Bible, but by and large, they don't read it and they don't know it. I ain't making that up, y'all. For further proof, just check out these stats, these statistics. Recent surveys have found that 82% of Americans think God helps those who helps themselves is a Bible verse. Newsflash, it's not. 12% of Americans think Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. <laughs> what? <laughs> 50% of graduating high school students think Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. <laughs> Yo, quite honestly, th that's embarrassing, y'all, for real. But it's indicative of the fact that, yes, we have a lot of work still to do with respect to educating people about the importance of knowing what the Bible says. You know, it's sad. Oftentimes, critics of the Bible know more, they know more about what's in the Bible than the people who call themselves supporting it. That's backwards. Atheists, people who don't believe in God, and people who have no faith should not know more about what the Word of God says than the people who supposedly call themselves lovers of God and followers of Christ. You know what that's like? That's like somebody who's never played a sport in their life, and they don't have, they don't have an athletic bone in their body but yet they somehow try to dictate to a professional athlete what that athlete should or should be doing. <laughs> a person who ain't never picked up a basketball in their lives thinking they have the knowledge base or the authority to tell an NBA all-star how to play the game. It's the same premise. Saints of God, believers have got to get to a point where we're fully indoctrinated on biblical concepts. Now, I'm not saying we should memorize the Bible because that's not going to help either. Memorizing scripture does help, and it helps you especially in times of trial, when you can recall a word of God that gives a hope and a promise. So I'm not saying memorize the whole Bible, but we should be able to know where to go in it in order to not only educate others about it, but equally as important to defend what we believe. And that's where memorizing certain passages of scripture comes into play. 1 Peter 3.15 makes it very clear. This is one of the first passages I memorized. 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So we got a lot of work to do when it comes to keeping the body of Christ biblically literate. Okay. Now here's another area where we face great challenges in the church. 
And that has to do with increasing the presence of the people of God. See, Christians ought to be people of presence, connected to God and to one another through the inhabiting, unifying power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, being people of presence involves having a presence in the community, in the form of serving and giving to God's causes. A perfect example, my church, Elizabeth Baptist, my home church here in Atlanta, Every Saturday, they give out food. And you don't have to be a member of the church to get the food. You can just be somebody that rolls through. Okay, that's having a presence in the community. You don't think somebody who needs food and don't go to the church will be like, dang, that church is really, really giving and good to people that they don't even know. You don't think that has an effect on them and makes them want to check the church out more? Oh, believe it, it does. Y'all, it ought to be evident to the community that the church not only cares about the needs of those in the community, including, like I said, those who don't go to that church, but that the church is active in that community. Churches should not be limiting their benevolence solely towards those who go to that church, who go to that building. That's not the purpose of the church, okay? You know, there was a time in this country's history when the church truly reflected the community, when the faces you saw on the street were the same faces that you saw in the pews. But once communities began to change, whether it was a change in demographics, like ethnic or racial changes, or even changes according to age, or a change in socioeconomic status, the change was real and the members of the church felt it. And one by one, families in the church started moving to other areas of town and the church failed to transition with the neighborhood. And as a result, now what we have is a serious disconnect between the church and the community. And oftentimes people in the community don't feel welcome in the church. And that's because many churches seem more concerned about protecting the way they do church than they are about reaching the residents of the community. Friends, when a church ceases to have a heart and ministry for its community, it's on the path towards its own demise. So the body of Christ needs to take the proper steps to make sure it reflects the community where the church is located. The church must have a presence in the community beyond the building itself. The church has got to make specific plans to minister to and evangelize those who live in the community where it's located. Don't be exclusive. You can't learn what your community needs if you don't reach out to it and establish relationships with those who live in it. You feel me? Vibrant and growing churches look after the interests of others. They're concerned for their communities and they open the door for others. In other words, the church shouldn't be acting like a country club, like membership is exclusively reserved for a select group of people who have to meet a certain criteria before they can be a part of the church body. Y'all, that's one of the main reasons why so many people have such a negative perception of the church right now. Because the church should not be like some glorified version of high school, with segmented groups within its membership acting holier than thou towards others. Last time I checked, Paul told the Romans in chapter 3, verse 23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Saints of God, in 2021, the church has to reprioritize its job as presenters of God's presence in the world. And in order to do that, it's got to encourage, foster, and promote habits and rituals that create the space for its presence to be felt and known. 
I think Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4 sums this up perfectly when it says, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Amen. Now, coming up next, we're going to continue our countdown of the biggest challenges facing the church as we head into 2021 on this, our first ever State of the Church address. We're going to do that when we come back from the break. At Benevolent Faith Ministries, we're a virtual church with a real heart for God. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about becoming a member, participating in our giving partnerships, and learning how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on today. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. That's my radio voice. <laughs> As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store. We cannot stress enough how much we love all of our platform, platform providers. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org to send us your questions and comments for the show. Yo, if you want to talk about something, you want us to talk about something on here, email us. We would greatly appreciate it. And remember, we want you to join us every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific time for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church, create a screen nickname, and you can chat along with us during the service. We want to thank everybody that participated in our Christmas and our New Year services, our first ever in both. We were very successful and we're very thankful to everyone that came out. Also, you can actually go to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and enter Benevolent Faith Ministries in the search box and you can see videos from our Christmas and New Year's uh, 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 services. You can also see past Bible studies that you can still participate in. And we're going to be bringing that back in 2021, our Bible studies. We just got to pick the right night. And you can also see other online services that we did in 2020. And you can watch previously aired episodes of our TV show, Walk in the Word, which was on the Now Network. And go to our YouTube channel and check all that good stuff out. Amen? But today, today's show is entitled State of the Church 2021. And we're discussing the top challenges that the church faces as we head into the new year. Challenges that we must meet head on in order to ensure that the church grows into its full maturity the way Christ intended it to. And so our next challenge that we see facing the church relates to the battle against boredom. Now, what do I mean by that? See, we're an antsy, impatient culture, all right? Everything about our lives is fast-paced and hurried. Now, now, now. I need it now, now, now. I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, from fast food drive throughs to express grocery pickups, we don't like waiting around for things because our tolerance 
towards time management, or rather what we consider to be, quote, wasting time, they're at an all-time low. People everywhere, including people in the church, have short attention spans and they get bored easily. And this poses a huge challenge to the church. And as a result, people no longer want to subscribe to the traditional values of routine, tradition, and stability that have long defined the church. So instead, churches today are catering to this sense of time management intolerance by resorting to gimmicks and trendiness to address the problem. Churches are resorting to more worldly sermons and worldly uh, worship music practices in order to keep people's attention longer. And the challenge to the church in the 21st century is to lead people to awe, wonder, and worship of the Lord without watering things down or constantly reinventing the wheel to appease people. Don't make your church a holy version of Burger King. Have it your way and have it quickly. No, sir, that's not the move and that's not wavy. The word of God is not meant to appease people. The word of God is what it is. Churches are not to add their own spin to the word of God to make it more appealing, okay? And actually, the boredom challenge leads directly to another challenge facing the church, which is a temptation to reinvent the wheel, so to speak. I just said that. In other words, church leaders attempt to rethink church every couple of years. You see new books and blog articles and magazine articles and interviews with quote-unquote experts that come out and they provide a new paradigm or a prescription for a revived church. This is how to increase your membership. This is how you increase giving in your church. We get oversaturated with directives that tell us the church must become and do blank in order to survive. You fill in the blank. Man, the church has to get to a point where it trusts in continuity more than it does in seeing every cultural change as an invitation to reinvent the wheel. In other words, what am I saying? The church cannot keep changing itself in order to keep up with the times because continuously doing so will cause the church to lose its own identity, which should always be steeped only in Christ. Y'all feel me? Now, here's another challenge which we as a global church body must meet head on, and that's the issue of consumer Christians. So right now you're like, no world is a consumer Christian. Consumer Christians are people who like to go, quote, church shopping in order to get what they want out of a church. The, what do I get out of the sermon, folks? The, they're not playing my type of gospel music, folks. In other words, consumer Christians are people who go to Sunday services to, quote, get something. They choose churches that, quote, fit them and that match their checklist of preferences. Just as somebody might do when they go shoe shopping or when they go looking for a new car. Again, the church is not a country club or a lodge. All right. Remember the lodge that Fred and Barney used to go to in the Flintstones? It ain't like that. It's not a place designed to cater to people's sensibilities. The church is not a tennis club or a yacht club, a place where you go to socialize with people who you feel are, quote, on your level. It's a place where you go to get the unadulterated word of God. At least that's what it's supposed to be. Bruh, the church was not created to make you feel better. 
It wasn't created to satisfy your feelings or to coddle your little emotions. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> and so churches should not be engaging in practices that promote that type of stuff. No, churches need to confront and dispute those mentalities instead of catering to them. We need to keep in mind that church is a place where members of a body come together for purposes beyond themselves. A place where we extend invitations to join Christ in what he is already doing in the world, not invitations for Christ to affirm our self-serving needs. But many churches do that, and because they do, a lot of churches today are more one-dimensional than ever. What do I mean by that? What I mean is when we go to churches that fit us, how we look, how we talk, how we worship, then we're going to naturally be surrounded by people who look, talk, and worship just like us. But that level of homogeneity is not the biblical ideal. The power of the gospel is that of unifying diverse groups of people and breaking down the walls of hostility that naturally divide us from race to class, to culture, to gender, our music preference, whatever it is. I can't stress this enough. Whenever churches create atmospheres in which people are able to surround themselves with others who, would agree, who agree with them and confirm their biases, those churches stop being places where God's presence rules and instead become places where man's preferences rule. Nah, son. That's the wrong way to go about it, and we got to change it up. And frankly, churches which promote that ideology end up catering directly to the next challenge on our list. And that's the idea of autonomy. Y'all, almost nothing poses a bigger threat to the church in the 21st century Western culture, and everywhere in general, than the pervasive mindset that individual people are the sole authorities of their identity, their morality, and their destiny. What do I mean? What I mean is this idea that, hey, I should be able to be and do whatever feels right to me. And you hear it all the time. Do what feels right for you. Your truth is your truth, but my truth is my truth. Or you definitely hear it expressed in a statement which, quite honestly, I really can't stand. And that is, only God can judge me. We, call, we said it before on this show, that's the Tupac theology, okay? And it basically means I do what I want and I don't care what you think. Me, 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 okay? No, that philosophy of expressive individualism is fundamentally at odds with Christianity, which calls us to bow down to the Lordship of Christ. You're not bowing down when you do whatever you want and then say, well, only God can judge me. Guess what? He gonna... Okay, y'all better stop playing with the Lord. Okay, churches have to start countering this really damaging sensibility and disciple its members to submit their beliefs and their convictions about themselves to the authority of Jesus as revealed to us in Scripture. No matter how sincere or authentic those beliefs may be to that person. Basically, what I'm saying is this. There ain't no room for a me, 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 me sensibility in the church because think about it. If Jesus had said me, me, me and only thought of himself like that, we wouldn't have salvation right now, now would we? <laughs> now, coming up in our last segment, we want to finalize our list of challenges that the church faces in 2021. Challenges which, which dictate the actions 
that we need to undertake every day of our lives. If we are purporting to call ourselves followers of Christ and maintainers of his church. So come back after the break and finish this discussion up with us. Diamond Cup Building Maintenance is a privately owned business that provides a wide range of janitorial, floor care, and handyman services for all size commercial businesses. Our services also include deep clean and disinfectant cleaning, which kill harmful germs, including the coronavirus. Our team has over two decades of experience, so we can provide the highest quality of services to our customers. This is why we are a sparkle above the rest. Please join our Facebook page to learn more about us at Diamond Cut Building Maintenance. Are you looking to complete a home purchase? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, Meister Home Inspections, or MHI, offers professional and accurate home inspection services throughout the Northeast Atlanta area that provide home buyers and sellers, as well as their agents, with the information they need to successfully complete any home purchase. Visit their website at mhihomeinspection.com, that's mhihomeinspection.com to learn more, or to set up your home inspection appointment today. What's up, y'all? This is Rev Rob, and I'm inviting you to join us live for our weekly online services every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you have to do is log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church, and it'll take you directly to the live worship session. Now, if you get there a bit early before service is started, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through the chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts during and throughout the service, as well as take notes and follow along in the Bible section we have available. And you can request prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook. Just search for at Benevolent Faith Ministries and like our page to support us. And don't forget, you can join us every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern during our live prayer call line. And if you can't make the live call, you can call the prayer playback line 24 hours a day, seven days a week in order to hear what you may have missed. Now, I got to say this again. Recently, recently, we've been getting a lot of people calling the prayer line at all hours of the night, thinking that it's a 24-hour prayer line. Now, we pray that God will bless us to be able to do that in 2021 and beyond, but right now we are not set up for that. It'd be so many times where at two in the morning, somebody's on the line, I get an alert saying someone's on the line. And we can't foster that, y'all, because we can't just have people calling all times of day because we don't have it set up like that. Prayerfully, we will, but we don't. So if you need prayer from us, Please email us and we will respond right away. Maybe we even set up a call based on the email. But we are not set up at this time to take cold calls. So I'm sorry, but we pray that that will change in 2021. And we pray that y'all be able to um, come alongside that. Amen. But today, today we have been discussing the state of the church 2021. And where the church faces its biggest challenges as we head into this new year. 
So let's look at our final few categories where the people of the house of God need to step our game up this year. And another one of those areas has to do with people's aversion to commitment. See, we live in a culture today that is commitment averse. In other words, people are hesitant to dedicate themselves or obligate themselves to anything. People today, and particularly younger people like millennials and Generation Y folks, and if you don't know what age groups those are, look them up. Or just go back and listen to our very first episode with Dr. Daryl Hall entitled From Generation to Generation, Episode 1, Season 1. But younger people like millennials and Generation Y folks are what are part of what is known as the FOMO generation. FOMO, F-O-M-O. That's an acronym that stands for Fear of Missing Out. They some FOMOs. Fear of missing out. They're the fear of missing out generation, the ones who prefer to keep their options open rather than committing to something or someone and shutting out other possibilities. You see this, for example, in the way that they date each other. Oh, we're friends with benefits, they say. We're dating, but we're not committed to each other, they say. We like to shop around, they say. That's that Tupac theology. I get around, <laughs> round and round. No, 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 we're not doing that. But I'm using relationships as an example, but this really applies across the board, y'all. In fact, did y'all know that over 91% of the younger generations expect to stay in a job less than three years? Because they always have this sensibility that, well, something better might come along and I don't want to close the door to the opportunity that might come along. <laughs> but what if it doesn't? Anyway, all of that translates over into their faith. Nowadays, these folks are far less likely to be affiliated with a religion or a political party than previous generations were, and they're getting married at lower rates and later in life than our parents and our grandparents did, and naturally, this leads to weak, if any, commitment to the local church, which makes discipleship and true long-term obedience formation very difficult. Because if you remember from our conversation with my church mama, Miss Sylvia Smith of Elizabeth Baptist Church in Atlanta, season two, episode nine, entitled Marks of a Disciple, go check it out. The discipleship process is not a quick fix process. It, it could take a long time. It could take years if necessary. Churches need to be fighting against these ideologies by challenging people to connect and commit to the body of Christ from long-term standpoints and stop catering to those who seek a quick fix faith. Remember, consumer Christians. And that, you my friends, leads to our next challenge. See how all these are connected somehow? Leads to our next challenge facing the church, and that's the role of social media. Now, do not get me wrong here. There are many positive things that social media offers. And quite honestly, y'all, as a virtual church, a global virtual church, Benevolent Faith Ministries is dependent to a very large degree upon social media in order to promote our platform. However, there are many things about social media that pose challenges to the contemporary church. And one of the main challenges 
is the challenge of posturing. That obsession that folks have, which causes them to act out in order to feed their own pride and hypocrisy. Y'all like, what you mean, Rev? It's when you act like your life is greater than, better than, or somehow more excited than it actually is for the sole purpose of trying to impress other people and make them think that you got it going on and that your life is popping. Stunting for the gram is what they call it. Of course, the gram being Instagram. And sadly, y'all, many churches have started doing this too. They stunt for the gram or front for Facebook. (laughs) I just made that one up. But they do these things to make themselves seem bigger than they actually are to promote an idea that they're doing more than they truly are and to foster a belief that their pastors are holier than they really are. Saints of God, when pastors and leaders become more interested in impressing their audience than tending to the flock of God, it unnecessarily complicates the pastoral and leadership offices and makes existing problems in the church even worse because it's all worldly. You're just turning the church into another worldly place. The whole thought process behind this stems from this, quote, superstar allure that these church leaders feel, the sense of closely associating with social media, the attraction to being a, quote, celebrity, celebrity, and to having a, quote, platform for that supposed level of celebrity. Uh, I got a message for all pastors and church leaders out there. Breaking news, here's breaking news for all pastors and church leaders. Jesus Christ should be the only celebrity that your church values and gives honors to, okay? And scripture is very clear on that. Don't listen to me, listen to God. Look at Galatians chapter one, verse 10. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Y'all hear that pastors and church leaders? Or look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Look at John chapter 12, verse 43. For they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And look at how Peter said it in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. (laughs) Y'all, churches got to start using social media to promote the things of God, not to promote the things of man, because doing the latter and not the former can and will eventually destroy a church. Y'all feel me? Now, here's the last one and I'm done, y'all. And this is a huge challenge facing our churches in the new year. And that has to do with a distrust for authority. I mean, distrust in general is running rampant in today's society, but really a lot of it is warranted. People distrust the government, but a lot of that's warranted. People distrust the police and oftentimes that's warranted. People distrust the news and a lot of time that's warranted. In fact, this whole distrust thing, and this is just an example, is best evidenced by the fact that, did y'all know that a recent survey of 140,000 people from 14 different countries found that while virtually everyone in the countries of, say, Bangladesh and Rwanda believe that vaccines are safe, 
fewer than half the population or half the people that were surveyed um, in Japan or France think that. So half do and half don't. In fact, in Western Europe, almost one in six people with a college education reject vaccines. And in Southern Africa, you're twice as likely to reject taking vaccines if you have a college education. <laughs> this, that's crazy. Trust has become a vital political issue and it's caused great concern about the erosion of confidence in both, in both expertise and in public institutions and about the social consequences of that erosion. I mean, this is why people still aren't taking COVID-19 seriously, which is leading to more and more people getting it. And I'm gonna tell y'all, they've already said the numbers are gonna go up in January. Of course they are, why? Because people were traveling for Christmas and for the New Year's holiday and people went to parties. Man, they had parties in Atlanta that they were advertising for. And I'm like, why would you go to a party? Okay, so what, everybody in the party will have a mask on? You know that's not true. You know that didn't happen because a lot of people aren't taking it seriously. Why? Because they distrust authority. And when you, when you distrust authority, you're not gonna follow through. And skepticism about the virus is having a devastating impact on the global community. And, and, and to that end, I gotta say this, I'm sorry, because me and my wife talk about this all the time. Not everything that happens in the world is a conspiracy, y'all. You know the real problem? with people who always subscribe to conspiracy theories. Because when they do that, they completely discount and disregard the role that God plays in all things that happen on this big blue marble. And instead assign everything that happens to the purview of mankind. They completely disregard that God is in control. And they somehow have this ideology that man is in control of what happens. Okay, but I digress. I don't want to get into all that. My point is that this distrust of authority has extended itself into the church with a specific distrust of the, of the authority of God and the authority of the word of God being particularly prevalent with the younger generations. And so it makes going to, committing to, and staying dedicated to church an inherently challenging task for these young folks. Not only because they have a hard time trusting leaders, but more importantly, because they struggle with submitting fully to the authority of Christ and the authority of scripture. People want to do their own thing, so they don't want to submit to what we consider the authority, which is the word of God. And so since they distrust authority, they distrust the word of God and they instead do their own thing. Hey, only God can judge me, remember? Friends, our churches today must begin to cling even more tightly to the unequaled, unmatched, and transcendent authority of Christ and of the Word of God, no matter how countercultural that may be, or no matter how it's perceived by others. We remember, we just read a gang of scriptures that said we need to be pleasing God and not men. And pleasing God means trusting in what he says and obeying him. We went through that on our New Year's Eve um, or our New Year's uh, online service. That's why the science of apologetics is so important for every Christian to know and understand. Because when others say things which prove their doubt or ignorance about the Bible, especially when it's based on a distrust of the Bible, every believer should be fully equipped to counter that level of distrust with information 
that instead fosters at the very least a curiosity within the doubter about the things they distrust. In other words, we need to give the doubters a reason not to doubt. And that includes acting better ourselves. Because when church leaders start acting trifling, when people of the body of Christ start acting trifling, or when church leaders start leaning to their own understanding instead of rightfully dividing the word of God as Paul tells Timothy to do in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, the state of the church will undoubtedly suffer greatly. Amen? Listen, thanks for joining us for our State of the uh, Church Address 2021. Let's make this the best year ever. Amen? And don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, and on Apple Podcasts in the iTunes Store. Also, don't forget you can find us on the web at benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on now and learn more about our giving partnerships. And we welcome our newest giving partner, the American Cancer Society. We're going to be working closely with them in 2021 to try to raise funds to kick cancer in the butt. Amen. And don't forget to log on this and every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and we'll see you on Tuesday night and we'll catch y'all here next time. Holla.